All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today, Rue Patel. For 15 years, Rue led General Mills' largest manufacturing site. He was accountable for delivering expected quantifiable results with a focus toward employee, consumer, and environmental responsibility. Now, Rue is the founder of Rue Works. He works with smaller businesses to help them define and implement their growth strategy, provide executive coaching to their leaders, and he speaks at industry conferences too. Rue, welcome to the show. Lisa, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, I know that most of your career was spent at General Mills. Share with us a little bit about your journey, because I know we're going to be talking about a lot of the things that you did while there, but kind of give us an overall view. Yeah, so my my journey in manufacturing started at PepsiCo. And uh, four years at PepsiCo, followed by 29 years at General Mills. Various roles, mostly manufacturing, but some research and development roles as well. Uh, had an incubator a little business where we uh, had a skunk works factory and did some really cool experimental things, but really found that my love and passion was in a factory. And it was building our brands through excellent manufacturing, through driving people leadership and people growth and development of great talent, driving great processes that delivered great results for General Mills. And so our, our $20 billion plant, uh, our $2 billion plant, I'm sorry, in, in Cedar Rapids uh, was an example of one that we tend to, we doubled in size Oh, in the last seven or eight years, and we were able to do a lot of that without capital and without adding additional headcount. So purely through improvement and through some great technology and so the use of that technology with great planning. So it's been a lot of fun and then kicked into RuWorks when I retired a few months ago. And RuWorks is a small business of mine. It's a passion to help smaller businesses under $100 million thereabouts and help them really improve themselves through the same things, strategy development people development, talent acquisition in some cases, and uh, really finding ways to improve their processes, streamline their systems, and uh, really drive to the bottom line. And uh, that's been just a lot of fun. Yeah, and and it sounds like you're able to easily translate a lot of the work that you did for such a huge company like General Mills into working with smaller organizations. Really part of what we're trying to do with this podcast is to show how easily transferable some of these ideas are. And you and I have had lots of conversations about some of the cool things that you did at General Mills. But I want you to share with our listeners some of the different philosophies that you had and some of the different things that you did at General Mills that now you're translating that to the clients that you're working with today? Yeah, so I'm a believer that General Mills is just a great company, is a company of people. It's a people company that happens to make food. So for me, the center of this thing is people and the ability to develop people to where they can see things differently, see themselves differently, expand in different roles. And I really have done a lot of work with with our minority and diversity groups. As you can see, I'm an Asian descent, a first-generation immigrant, and with women in our organization. So mentoring, supporting, leading, guiding, sometimes pushing, kicking people to do things that they didn't, th- they didn't think they'd achieve. Like a third of our General Mills uh, factory leaders right now, directors, uh, have worked on my teams at some point in their career. And I'm super proud of that. So 
beyond the quantifiable stuff. It's the leadership of people and then their ability to develop a strategy, make a plan, and then execute that plan to drive results and do it the right way is stuff I've worked on. So that's the part that I get uh, you know, really excited about is, is kind of seeing that thing mushroom. So I approach things without really uh, a, a template or a canned approach. It's like, go observe, go see, go do the data analysis, understand what's happening, talk to the folks, and then develop simple strategies that you can get your arms around and implement. And, uh, and, and not to throw big words, not to throw big concepts, not to throw earth-changing things at companies that are doing well but want to get better. But just like, let's find a niche. And let's find a niche that we can take this thing a couple levels higher, develop some people, some talent, and move that organization in a very structured and organized way that didn't seem like it was uh, a template that got dropped on them. I want to do things that fit their culture and their mold as opposed to drop things and force fit an organization to something that I've kind of developed. So it's a very different approach than a lot of the normal consultants that I've worked with bring where they've got a program and they're trying to force fit you into their program. So I stay completely away from that part of it. Now I use parts of things that I've grown up with. The Toyota manufacturing principles, for example, work and they work great. So transforming those into workable components that a small manufacturer or a small business can actually leverage uh, it takes a little bit of work and takes some finesse, but there's ways to do that, that work within the culture, the technology, the maturity of an organization, as opposed to just dumping them onto a company. One of the key things that stuck out in my mind is when you were talking about the the number of leaders who ended up working for you and with you at General Mills. So paying attention to people within an organization who have leadership skill and then bringing them up through the ranks sounds like a, a great way for people to find replacements for themselves as they move up. How did you accomplish that? Like what were you looking for or how did you bring those leaders up? You know, Lisa, interesting question because Almost 27, 28 years ago, you know, I started General Mills. There weren't great orientation programs. There weren't great development programs. So through my experiences at PepsiCo uh, and in school, I kind of put together a, really a basic Excel spreadsheet. Now think back to the early 90s, right? Basic Excel sheet that said, if I had these things in my development portfolio, I would be a happier leader and a better leader for my folks that I served, right? And so we really built that, and we took that that template and built what we call Team Leader Bootcamp out of that. And it was a it was a five day developmental class where we brought our young leaders in, and we through the course of twenty plus years at General Mills, and, and I'm super happy to facilitate every one of those sessions. Let thousands, thousands of General Mills leaders through these sessions. And we incorporated other folks and brought in other leaders, specialists who could help them with skills, but really focused on the core of this thing was building a foundation of leadership. And um, so that thing has been a passion of mine because it's something I missed, you know, when I came to work and when I was young in my career. And I want to make sure that people had that. Now, a lot of times people, they follow a template in their mind in terms of, you know, by 26, I want to do this. By 36, I want to do this. By 40, I want to be this. And um, they fail to look at their own potential. And oftentimes their potential is greater. They just haven't realized it. And take someone to kind of reach in, give them some positive reinforcement, sometimes give them a kick in the right direction and say, you know what, I, I'm looking for you to do this. So I, I'd meet with our young leaders, you know, on, on a monthly basis. And so part of it is committing the time to go do that. 
And then, good Lord, they'd come out with a homework assignment every time. So they'd say, Rue, every time I come in here, I get some work. And uh, we do some follow-up work, and we we, are, we get introspective. We look at what they want to do. We look at things that challenge them, work on different skills and techniques that help them become better leaders. Hey, what's the problem you're having on the floor? Well, I had this person that had an issue, and we had a little bit of a conflict. Oh, conflict resolution. Let's talk about some of that. Let's work on some. And so instead of doing it through a big seminar with hundreds of people, you know, focusing one-on-one and saying, based on your skills and your style and the work that you're doing, how would you go about addressing that conflict? And let's work on those things. Uh, so those, you know, the folks would have homework going out and uh, they'd come back and say, hey, I tried it and it worked or I tried it and it didn't work and let's analyze that and let's figure out why it doesn't, doesn't work. So paying attention to folks is important. Paying attention to individuals matter. So going back to that original spreadsheet, yeah. what were some of the, the key things that were on it that you were looking for and then you were able to develop your own program around? So for any leader in an organization, some base, base financial skills, right? You know, how does the cost structure of my company work from that? More importantly, what do I control and how do I impact that? So it wasn't just here's the P&L. It was like, okay, here's the P&L. Let's bring it down to what you do at your level. And here's three or four things you can do to impact that. That was one of them. Developing your value base and your brand as a leader was really critical early in someone's career. So how do you do that? How does it show up? What things challenge you in those environments? And how do you make sure that you stay steadfast on your values? How you stay steadfast on your leadership ability was important. Things like your commitment to safety, your commitment to, in our case, food quality. You know, we made a million Cheerios a minute. They had to be right. Every one of them had to be right. No exceptions. So how do you commit to that? How do you bring your team along to committing to those things? How do you how do you work on nurturing a culture on your team? Because that's super important. How does that communication strategy go on your team? Whether it's a small team of operators and mechanics in a back shift, or it's a team of 200 people in a department that you run, or a small factory that you run at General Mills. How do you go about creating the communication strategy that's effective, that's real, and that really touches your folks to want to do something and want to be something and want to drive something different. So it really focused on some basic elements. And, and you know, we, we worked with a lot of leaders around the country to kind of understand more about leadership. So you can read books and watch TED Talks and videos. There's so many resources. But, you know, I, I buried myself really with the learnings from uh, Coach John Wooden, UCLA basketball, and spend four years plus or minus with Coach developing a leadership institute and use some of those foundational things that we put together for corporations. He already had that for basketball, but this is for corporations. Guess what? It's the same. It's really the same. Leadership's the same. And then we work with uh, Coach Krzyzewski at Duke, and we work with some generals from the Air Force. We work with leaders in our communities and said, what are the three or four basic elements of leadership that we can teach our folks that take away the complications of stuff and say, if you can do these four things and do them well, you're going to be a pretty good leader. And so that's, that's really what we worked on. And, uh, you know, there, there's a little bit of secret sauce to it, but there's a lot of simplicity to it, which makes it that, that anybody can grab it. And I found that through my work with RuWorks, that it's the same set of skills, tools, that work with the CEO of this manufacturer I'm working with, that, that also work with his floor leaders. The same stuff, different game, different scale, but the foundational elements are the same. And so that's, it's really breaking this thing down and making it simple. Hard to do, but the concepts are simple. 
Well, and the simplicity about it is that it not only looks at the leader for his or her performance at work, it gives them personal skills that they can use in the rest of their life as well. I mean, if you are sharing your numbers with your employees and you are teaching them about balance sheets and about all of that financial stuff that is appropriate for the workplace, you know what? Maybe that helps them in their personal finances as well. You're working at their values. So now you're creating this family feeling of people who have values and making sure that you're getting the right people on the bus. So when you're, you're it sounds like you're taking a real holistic approach where we're not only looking at, hey, this guy's a, a rock star and he has this resume pedigree that's going to be great, but as a human being, he's just a horrible per- okay. human being. <laughs> that's not working. We're, we're looking at that holistic approach. Right. So we start with values, right? We start with values and understand the characteristics of a leader that you expect. You know, it's the same thing I expect from my leaders that my folks would expect from me. And if you generate those lists, along levels in an organization, they're not that different. They're not that different. People expect things from the leaders. So we work on those things around a set of core values and we go from there. Then we skill build around that as opposed to drop, again, I'm so opposed to dropping a template on people and saying, well, you fit in this box. Let's fit you in this box. It's like every company is a different box and we got to find out what their box looks like and then figure out how to fill it and then overflow it. But it really starts with values and you're, you're right to the point where great leaders are great at work, but they're great people. They do great things outside of work. They do great things with their family. They're great in their communities. And it's those same leadership traits, characteristics that show up um, along the board. So simplicity is a, is a good place to start. Absolutely. Well, what are you finding not only at when you, in your tenure with General Mills, but also with the clients you're working with at RuWorks? What is keeping manufacturers up at night? I think the 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 lack of talent that's available is keeping people up. And then what I've seen is the company themselves has an inability to develop those ta- that talent that they've got is keeping people up. So the small manufacturers I work with, many, many of them are family-owned businesses. They've grown. They've got a great product. They've grown. And they're kind of stuck. And they're looking at who's going to take over that company in three to five years. Who's What's that succession plan look like? And there's a skill set that's missing. And sometimes it's generational. But it's hard for a parent owner of a CEO, for example, to address a family member about skills about work ethic, about values, right? And so we're finding that those things in the scale of companies that I want to work with are, are, are simple things that are keeping people up but are true, are real obstacles for family businesses and, uh, and are keeping things from progressing further. They're inhibiting growth because the talent level is fixed. So for example, I'm working with a $25 million company that wants to be a $50 million organization and they've got some great tools to go do that. If you look at their organization, I talked to their CEO and I said, hey, if you've got eight people on your team, six of them need to be $100 million thinkers for you to be a successful $50 million company. But if you've got a bunch of $12 million thinkers that are just struggling and clawing and following suit, you're never going to get there. You're just not going to get there. So how do we address that gap? How do we address that thinking? And sometimes, you quite frankly, have to hire it in, right? right? And sometimes you have to develop it. And there's a combination. So again... To my point, you work with the individuals and see where they can go and how they can grow and what their aspirations are. 
versus dropping in, you know, a, a predefined kit for that company. And each one's been different and each one's been fun to work with and exciting. And, and, and I'm not saying easy, but they're, they're challenging, but they're, they're great to work with when they, once they realize that here's how I need to think for us to grow as an organization. So that discovery process is, is real for the CEOs and, and the owners of these companies. And sometimes it's pretty scary for them when it says, well, your family members don't have the skills or they don't mm-hmm. have the desire. They're happy to sit in the office. They're happy to drive the fancy car. Right. Don't really have the desire to go do it the same way you did it. So, And so what is one way that you can get somebody who is a $12 million thinker to a $100 million thinker? What's your approach to mindset? And I realize that it varies from person to person, yeah. but is there a good rule of thumb to, to start that process? It, it, there really is. And I think it does vary from person to person. So l- listening to them, seeing how they operate, and then getting some good data on their from their team. Here's how they come across. Here's how they operate. They may not even show up to work on time. And maybe really some simple foundational things where, hey, I'm the boss's kid and I don't need to show up till 10. And I'm going to take a two-hour lunch, right? So sometimes it's basically just, hey, work ethic and show you care. But when it comes to some, some foundational skills, say financial skills, there's tools available to help that acumen. And to build that acumen. But the broader part of it is, well, how do you get that across? How do you build trust? How do you communicate with the team? How do you show you care? How do you show that you're capable of providing that leadership five years from now to run this company that people can't see in you now? And if there's damage done, it's even harder to undo some of that damage. So how do you go about building trust and taking it down a few levels and just having some good conversations with some people? So each case is going to be different. Uh, but we really look at the leadership elements first, and then we focus on what are the functional skills that tie in with that leadership element that go later with it. So you want a, a $12 million thinker to be a better leader, a better thinker, and then be a better financial person, right? So there's also this thing, Lisa, as you know, about uh, the aptitude, right? Sometimes the aptitude is just not there. And so that's a more difficult question to deal with. And so well, what can they do well? And let's figure out what that is in this company as opposed to the role they're in right now. And it, and sometimes it's ego busting and it's hard. It's easier for me to do it than it is for dad to do it or for mom to do it, right? Because mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Those conversations rarely happen and they're not effective. So they're, so each one's different and sometimes it's just got to be delicate with this stuff. I mean, when, especially with small businesses. Right. So from a networking standpoint, if you were to look from both sides, is there information, resources, help that you would like to gain from other manufacturing colleagues? And by the same token, what is some of the knowledge, skills, and expertise that you can share with other manufacturers and related industries? Right. So, um, you know, I always have had this principle where I want to hang out with people that are better than me. And I don't want anybody in my group that's not as good as me. So it, it, this is not designed to sound egotistical, but when you surround yourself with people better, it forces your A game. It forces you to learn. It forces you to pay attention simply because I don't want to get left behind. So I have to work harder, right? So it's easy for a retiree for me to be like in coast mode. And hey, I, I got this. And when I say that, I'm not learning. And so to be around people that I can learn, whether it's be around great leaders, 
we run great tacticians of, of folks who can take go execute a plan great negotiators right good i mean i'm looking for those skills and i'm looking for people that i even in my personal life i want these people to be better than me in every aspect not maybe one person's got everything but in different things i can look for and say better communicator better bike rider more puts more effort into it. Well, I can put more effort into that, but I can also put more effort into other things, right? So it's all translatable to me. And then, so I really like to surround myself with that. And I measure that. I'm always thinking to myself, I need to be around that person because I can learn from them. So learning is a great avenue to kind of open myself up and, and, you know, humble down and say, I can learn. I need to learn these things. I can get better. And so it's putting the ego aside and, and, and just getting down to it. And then, Things that I can share is, you know, General Mills gave me a vast opportunity to experience some things and to drive some things and to grow, develop people and talent, to build a business and, you know, to, to run the biggest and most profitable manufacturing site at, at $2 billion a year to try things. You know, we started a continuous improvement program about eight years ago. It was our sixth effort at it. And this one actually worked and stuck. Well, why was it? Well, it wasn't so much the tools, which were the same tools that everybody uses, it was a culture development and the leadership aspects that drove this thing. And it took us a while to figure that out. But once it did, then we became the plant to teach the rest of General Mills Network worldwide on how to do this stuff. So the simple adage of, you know, learn, do, teach, right? Learn something, do it, do it well, and then go teach it because it makes you better really holds true in a lot of things I like to do. So uh, I think I can share with a lot of people some experiences. Uh, I like to be accountable. I like to develop people. Uh, I love to coach. I think I've had some pretty good success at it uh, in the past. So it's exciting for me. Well, as we're getting down to the our last couple minutes together, what would you say is your favorite tip, your your best tip to give listeners today as far as working on their culture or taking it to that next step in their growth? I think you know, one of the things that I ran through um, just recently is, you know, walk through a plant with the, with the CEO. And uh, I'm always looking to see what the culture is. And I, and I call it the sniff test, right? It, it feels right, or it feels like it's off, or it feels tense, or it feels really friendly. And I'm looking, the simple thing for me is like, are people walking towards the CEO, or they're running and hiding, right? Mm-hmm. In this case, they're walking towards the CEO. And that's engagement. And that means that people are willing to have the conversation. It means that there's trust established. It means that you got a great foundation, to build from. And I was excited about that. And, uh, and uh, you know, when you walk your facility, whether it's an office or a bank or walking through a manufacturing facility, are people walking to you? Are they, are they turning the corner and ducking the, in the mail room? Are they ducking behind their desk? Is their computer on all of a sudden? Head down, right? That's a good clue from an engagement standpoint, whether you have them or not. Mm. Simple test. The yep. other thing I'll tell you, Lisa, real quick, is I put my operating principles up on a dry erase board on the way out the door. And every time I'd walk out of my office to go to the plant, put my bump cap on, my my gear, my PPEs on, I'd look at these operating principles and say, hey, do some of that today. Try. I'm not going to be perfect. Try some of that. I come back a couple hours later and look at that and say, did you do any of that? I think I did that today. Good. So you're holding yourself accountable, right? It's not rocket science. But the other piece of having those operating principles up on a dry erase board is everybody in my office gets to see them. Everybody gets to see them. That's how I expect to behave. And uh, that's what I expect them to hold me to. But I also want to hold myself to it. So a couple of tips. 
Well, Rue, what is the best way for people who want to connect with you to get in hold to get a hold of you? So I'm on email, uh, Rue at RueWorks.com. And I'm on LinkedIn. And uh, you know, my business isn't crazy enough to have a website and that sort of stuff someday, maybe. But that's not my goal. The goal is to help people. So Rue at RueWorks.com. And uh, you can look me up on LinkedIn and, and uh, reach out to me that way. Well, Rue, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat again. Lisa, thank you. I appreciate this opportunity. Well, I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Manufacturers Network podcast. Do me a favor and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow this network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either send your buddies to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the Manufacturers Network podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow the network, the stronger and deeper the community will all have. Thanks again, and I appreciate you.